This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, October 19th, 2016. I'm Caleb Brown. When police interact with dogs, the results are often deadly for those family pets. Whether it be poor training or wrongly sending police violently into someone's home, police kill thousands of dogs every year. Patrick Reasonover is producer of the film Of Dogs and Men, chronicling several stories of family pets gunned down by police. We spoke last week. In the beginning of the film, you create a lot of confusion, and uh, it's to sort of seems like it's mimicking the confusion of the people who have these interactions with cops. And in every instance, the police end up shooting a dog that turned out not to have been a threat. That's right. Uh, we open the film uh, with a really intense uh, uh, set of cuts so that you kind of get a grasp on all the stories that we cover throughout the film. And the purpose is to, in many ways, kind of, insofar as we can, mirror the experience that people have when, you know, a police officer shows up at their home. Uh, perhaps it's the wrong address. Perhaps it's, um, you know, uh, just through some mistake or error, and they're not expecting the police, and then suddenly they're there, and, you know, your your dog starts barking, or, you know, they're, they're coming into your home, or, you know, knocking at your door, and they're in your yard, and then faster than you can understand what is going on, they've pulled out their gun and shot your dog, and you've lost uh, what people now think of as animal family members. And it's just shocking and traumatic and awful, and, you know, it's devastating. And naturally, the people uh, feel, you know, they feel the loss, they feel anger, they feel shock. And what's wonderful, though, about all, all of the people that we, were, we profiled is, you know, more so than anger, they really feel a desire to change the situation so it doesn't happen to other people. One of the people that you detail is sort of uh, famous in this area, and that's Shai Calvo, who was the mayor of Berwyn Heights, Maryland. At the time, a SWAT team came to his home and shot his two dogs over uh, a box of drugs that had been dropped on his front porch that presumably uh, somebody else had planned on coming and picking up before the Calvo family got home. That's right. Um so there was a there was a kind of a a deal or an arrangement uh, that these drug dealers had made where there was a, I believe it a UPS man or a postal worker I think it's UPS who would drop off uh, a box addressed to you know a real person but as soon as it was dropped off the uh, you know the dealer or the the people involved would come and pick it up and uh, you know take it with them it was a means of you know transferring the drugs and. Uh, because perhaps the people had, uh, you know, they, they, they suspected that, you know, that their cover was blown. They did not pick up the, uh, the box, and instead his mother-in-law had come over, and she just innocently picked it up and took it into their home. And, you know, you, in a certain sense, you might think, well, the police officers maybe didn't know, and, you know, they, uh, you know, they gathered um, for a full SWAT raid on this suburban home, and uh, they, you know, knocked down his door with a battering ram, threw them to the ground. Uh, they did a dynamic entry, and they shot his dogs and uh, threw him to the ground. And afterwards, we're shocked to learn that he was the mayor of Berwyn Heights, something they did not know when they entered. With a battering ram. 
with a battering ram. You know, and it's uh, it's kind of mysterious in that, you know, I think the natural presumption that people would make is that, well, police officers do investigations and that they would know whose home they're busting into and, uh, you know, there would there, there sort of would be a protocol. And, uh, in fact, in our film, we show in one of the depositions uh, of the police officers, one of the officers who, who had shot one of the dogs, you know, he admits that, uh, that he was completely shocked when he heard that, uh, you know, Shai Calvo was the mayor of Berwyn Heights uh, because he thought that someone would have known that. And uh, really, uh, what I think about the Shy Calvo story is that it, it it demonstrates that this can happen to anyone. This is not just something that happens in, you know, a minority neighborhood where maybe there's gang violence or drug violence. This was a mayor in a suburban home of a town, and it happened to him. Which really means it can happen to anyone. And a lot of the instances that you that you point to, the people you profile, there were differing circumstances. But in some cases, it was police going to the wrong place, police having bad information about the level of threat posed by the people there. Uh, in one case, somebody that they were uh, going to make contact with didn't live at the place anymore. And there was just there is this seem, seems to be almost a presumption uh, on the part of police that, you know, they are at risk. And that's not a totally unreasonable thing to think. You know, certainly in our current political climate, uh, they are they are at risk, and uh, there are bad guys out there, and there are people who um, abuse their dogs to turn them into guard dogs to attack police. And this, uh, you know, in our film, we were very conscious of this, and our film of Dogs and Men is not in any way just a takedown or slam against law enforcement. Uh, it was very important to us to understand the law enforcement perspective and what it's like for them, what it's like to be a police officer. And insofar as we tried to capture what it was like to lose your dog in one of these tragic circumstances, we also tried to capture what it's like to be a police officer and go to someone's house who you do not know, uh, perhaps you do not have full information about what's going on there, and there, there are potentially threats to your life. Uh, and your safety and your fellow officer's safety in there. And so police officers, have, police officers have a really difficult, challenging job. And part of what makes them able to do that job is training. And when it comes to canine encounters, uh, for the most part, in every jurisdiction across this country, from small towns to medium cities to large side cities to even federal government agencies, there is no training for police officers on dog behavior, how to deal with dogs. And uh, when you think about it, uh, there's training for dealing with terrorists that everyone has to go through. Uh, but police officers on a daily basis are encountering dogs, you know, whereas a terrorist, particularly in a small town in the, in, you know, in the United States, is going to be an incredibly rare uh, circumstance. And, you know, especially given the fact that these animals are you know, they're, they're family members. Uh, they live in homes, not just in the barnyard or the backyard anymore. They're, they're literally in the home, in the bed, uh, you know, with people. And so uh, it's something that we feel that police officers need to be aware of and they need to have a culture change in sort of the view. And also that uh, citizens uh, or civilians need to uh, be aware of when, uh, when they have their dogs and how they, you know, handle their dogs and how they react to police officers. What has the price been paid by police officers who, due to bad procedure, end up at the wrong place and end up shooting uh, and what's clearly an innocent owner's dogs? Uh, one thing I want to mention is the scale 
Uh, so there are, we do not have exact numbers because they are not required to uh, to record them, and they and so there's a lack of recording of them at all. But what information we do have is decentralized and not made available to the public, so it's hard to know exactly how many dogs they are shooting a year. However, through a number of metrics, the Department of Justice's Community Policing Division estimates that police officers shoot 10,000 dogs per year in the United States. So when something like this happens and people hear that number, they're shocked, and naturally they would assume that most of those shoots are probably justified, when in fact... Uh, as as we uh, you know looked into this, most of them are are not justified. They are not drug raids. They are not police officers doing dynamic raids against gangs or bad guys. They are everyday situations, and where it's a you know someone's called to a wrong house, or you know there's lack of information, or the dog is loose. And in the past, they would have just called a dog catcher, uh, not really posing a threat to anyone. But instead, you know they're calling the police officers, and the police officers do not have you know training, and so naturally. Uh, they go to their weapon. And uh, whereas uh, one would expect, well, okay, in that instance, that the police officers would be disciplined uh, if they, you know, did the wrong thing. And uh, in fact, that's not the case. Uh, Police officers are rarely ever held held accountable uh, in these instances because they do the legalistic thing which is required. And they say, I was in fear of my life. Uh, and I was I was in fear of you know imminent threat to me, and so I shot the dog. And for the most part, that you know eliminates any possibility that they're going to have any sort of you know punishment or repercussions at all. So what about uh, cases where there is evidence that this officer was not uh, threatened? Well, it's a tricky thing, Caleb, because um, we have a, a doctrine of uh, immunity. Uh, which, if you watch the film, we have um, lawyers who represented uh, a lot of the the victims, and uh, they, you know, we describe this where basically the police officers, for them to be held accountable and to be punished or shown in the wrong, another you essentially have to have another police officer that says that based on his judgment uh, that that police officer knowingly intended to violate protocol, and that's essentially an impossible standard because for the most part police officers will you know say something that reflects reality which is you know they were there um, and uh, the dog attacked or you know barked or you know in some way that acted in a way they perceived as threatening and so they shot the dog and so to then have a really high burden of proof that the you know that they actually came maliciously and intended to kill the dog uh, is uh, is pretty much just a situation where you know we're never going to see any consequences so long as that uh, is allowed to stand from a from a legal standpoint. However, uh, in Colorado, we did see a case in which an animal, or which an officer was brought up on animal cruelty charges for the first time ever. Uh, now they were exonerated uh, from that, but uh, in, in my view, it was a big victory that the case was ever brought at all. And uh, uh, the other thing that we see is that uh, departments are being sued successfully now um, for, uh, you know, people, uh, you know, police officers shooting people's animals and, uh, and basically as a kind of like a seizure by the state, you know, constitutional right, a seizure by the state by destroying, uh, you know, uh, your, your, your dog. 
they're um, they're held financially responsible. And so, uh, while the individual officer is not necessarily punished in that circumstance, it certainly creates better incentives for police departments across the country to create change, because if they don't, they're going to pay for it. How do people see the film? People can see the film on our website of dogsandmen.net. You can can buy a copy of it there for streaming or with DVD, and you can also see the film on Amazon or iTunes. And uh, if you check out our website, you will be able to check out the calendar and see when screenings of the film are happening in your local area. And if you are passionate about this issue uh, and you would like to help get the word out about it and make it more well-known, you can get in touch with us and sponsor a screening in your local city or town. Patrick Reasonover is producer of the film Of Dogs and Men, available at iTunes and Amazon. Subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Play, and with Cato's iOS app, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.